on July 24th, Move your men off the beach! eight men will risk their lives. It's a tough assignment. That's why you got it. To save one. I don't know anything about Ryan, but if finding him, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well, then that's my mission. Tom Hanks, Edward Burns, Tom Sizemore, Matt Damon, in a film by Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan, rated R, starts Friday, July 24th. Welcome to Reconcinimation. I'm your host, David Munchak, and with me as always, John Diner and Brett Hutchins, straight from the vault of the Reconcinima Studios on the third floor. We're recording live. It's Thanksgiving time, and... Oh, so, oh John, I'm sorry. I was... Sorry, I, you know how when I'm alone and I'm looking in the mirror... I'm I'm two I, minutes I like to late to the studio, and what ha- what's happening here? I'm sorry, I, I you lost your you lost your spot, John. We I lost my new host. No, All right. no, you know what you're doing. Nope. You kick it off, kick it, the, kick nope. it. Brent or David, who am I talking to? David, we're not. <laughs> this is not the intro to the show. <laughs> this is me you. doing a vanity thing. I I like to practice in the mirror one day, wanting the the first chair. Well, we usurp my usurp the chair. But I'm I'm happy no. to bequeath it to you for for a few moments. So, uh, well, give it. You know what? Show me how it's done. You know what I was doing? I was back in the in the Reconsina kitchen getting our turducken ready for later this week because it is Thanksgiving time here at the studio lot. Welcome back to Reconsinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak, and I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is your podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today. But before we get to it, what let's talk about Thanksgiving. David, it's your one of your favorite times of year. Gobble gobble. It's right here. What what's happening on the studio lot? Well, I've released the cats. Uh the cats with uh Tom Hanks masks. So the uh the Hanks cats are out now chasing around the turkeys. It's bananas. Yeah, there's a whole lot of Tom Hanks running around here. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, this is we call the year Tom we're Cats, maybe the, the Tom, yeah, the better, better terms. God, that's why you're the boss. Yeah, yeah. the Tom you Cats are it. out. Uh, turkeys are running around. We are, we are lousy with turkeys, uh, and Tom Cats. And, uh, you know, uh, it, this is it. Like, we're, 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 we're baking and cooking and, uh, we're getting ready for the big ass meal. So, here we go. I, I I love this time of year. I love the the fall, the crisp colors, orange oranges and browns. Is there better? Is there a better color combination I don't think than so. orange and brown? Oh, can't beat God. it. Woo! So, yeah, uh, you know, I just want to make it feel. Even though we're in Los Angeles, I want to make it feel like it's a uh, a brusque new, you know, New England uh, or uh, you know, uh, Maine kind of fall. Yeah, I agree. That's that's in our contract that it has to feel like New England in the month of November, December. It's going to feel like New York City, uh, you know, Radio City Music Hall right right here. Absolutely. So that's coming up, though. But uh, well, not only is it Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving coming up to uh, to all of our listeners. We appreciate you guys. But it's also to Thanksgiving that continues all month long. We've been looking it never at never gets old. Never gets old. I, I can keep saying it over and over. 
Uh, we've been looking back at Tom Hanks films all month. We took a look back at The Money Pit. And then, of course, Brent, what other movie did we do? Joe versus the Volcano. Mm-hmm. Where Brent put up the one, the only tremendous uh, case on behalf of Joe versus the Volcano. Uh, and I, I think he got the, the victory in that one. That was uh, a mighty argument to, to sway some of us who were anti Joe versus the volcano over to your side. One of Brilliantly us. done. That's yeah. right. Uh, I, you know, I, as long as it was interesting enough to get someone, some, some more people watching the movie, I think uh, it's a win. John, you're, I mean, you, you've at least, you softened, you softened, right? Like, at oh, least I saw, you, yeah, I, I'll fully admit it. He, he, yeah. he put up a very good argument. This is probably the first time in the whole podcast where one of us is, uh, you know, convinced the other to at least really rethink our opinion of a, of a film. I'm, so. pr- I'm, you know, and I was, I'm pretty passionate about that one. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we got to do that. I'm glad that it happened. I'm sure glad you work. softened, John. I can't wait for us to watch that movie together now. Uh, at some point, all of us uh, with this newfound lease uh, for Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a re reconsideration for that one. Yeah, it's like the, I, it's a, it's almost like we could just stop doing the podcast now because we. I mean, we we did we've, it. We we've done it. Mission. We <laughs> did. We, we did it, guys. We did it. Well, we only have we only have forty nine years left on our contract, so yeah. uh, okay, you know, we'll be <laughs> so here for buckle a bit. up. We've, we've definitely peaked. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll write out the rest of the contract. Uh, but yeah, we're going to continue our, our look back at Mr. Hank's uh, films. And we realized it's by sheer coincidence in our programming, it's not just a, a Tom Hanks um, review this month, but it seems like it's also a Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg team up that we've been, you know, just coincidentally looking at. And that's going to continue right here today with, one of Tom's biggest movies, right? Would you say this is up there? Yeah, biggest. absolutely. Yeah, with one the, of yeah, yeah, with the epic Saving Private Ryan. Mm. All right, here we go. It is epic. It is. It's uh, it's it's a big movie. It's a popular movie, and we're gonna just talk through whether it holds up today or whether it doesn't, or what aspects of it do and don't. So. 1989, uh, ni- save it, priming Ryan. 1989. What? Is it banned? Is 89, right? No? N- 98. 98. Oh, okay. There you go. <clears throat> I oh, so, making me feel real old there, David. <laughs> Imagine if this was 89. Oof. That would be insane. That they, couldn't, be. they couldn't do what they did. No, they couldn't have done it. Not have technically s- possible s- yet. So many mannequins on that beach. <laughs> yeah, Some- yeah. So, David, when was the first time you saw Saving Private Ryan? Did you catch it in the theater? In the theater. Cannot contain the excitement to go see this uh, because it just looked so epic. This was it. Tom Hanks, epic. World War II. We were still feeling the fever back in the late 90s of World War II drama. All right. Uh, And uh, yeah, no, I saw it in the theater, loved it. Uh, uh, and I'm not a war movie guy, but this this was not just it's not about war. It's really about it's about people, and um, my goodness, yes. So that I saw it with probably family when this came out in like November, July, July. July I saw it in the summer, yeah. So I was you know 
little little tepid on the Will Smith summer summers. I, was, was this the year of Wild Wild West? So you know, this, I wasn't going to go see is that. No, this was uh, what was ninety eight with Will Smith because Men in Black was ninety seven. Enemy of the and, State, I think, was that ninety eight? Maybe that was it. I feel like this is Wild Wild West because Independence Day was ninety six. Well, uh, I can tell you for certain it wasn't. Wild Wild West was ninety nine because uh, okay. ninety eight. We we all at, yep. at the they old college at of Santa school. Fe uh, okay. tried to work on it. Most of us did not get hired on it uh, as PAs, but uh, it wasn't ninety eight. It wasn't Enemy of the State. I saw that in college, and I entered college in ninety eight, mm. like late, like you know the fall. Okay, so geez, what did he star in in ninety eight? Well, who and, cares about Will Smith? Right? Who cares? Yeah, we're we're talking Hanks. next year. We're talking Hanks. What's a, what's a Will Smith September? Um, yeah, no. So yeah, movies. In the cinema, all day, all summer. I did I see it twice? I might have seen it twice. I don't know. I don't remember. But yep, seen it a bunch of times since. Haven't seen it probably in fifteen years though. Uh, to, to to then finally review it on the podcast. But I've seen Band of Brothers twice and The Pacific, which are you know basically Absolutely. you know. In, yeah, in, now the now they're the part one, of the, the universe. <laughs> The, the, the yeah, World War II universe, which I'm probably most excited about. What's that? Masters of the Air or yeah. Masters? Something Masters along of the that air. line. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but that that's coming. Well, what cool. So so you saw it in the theater, Brent. What about you? You had to. I don't think did we see this together in the theater? Well, no, because we would have been. I was. Oh, yeah. I was. I was uh, in Houston for the summer. Definitely saw it in the theater. Saw it opening weekend. Um, I mean, this was absolutely right in my wheelhouse you know being a film student Spielberg at this time in my life was for sure my favorite director um Tom Hanks was riding off of Forrest Gump and Mm -hmm. Apollo 13 uh yeah I actually I can say with uh 100 certainty I saw this twice the same day uh that 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 weekend that I saw it so I went in the morning I uh, checked it out. I was by myself at the Lowe's Cineplex uh, outside of uh, Sugarland, Texas, and uh, went and uh, loved it so much that rallied some of my friends uh, in the evening and went to go see it again. So, yeah, definitely, <clears throat> definitely saw it twice. Love this movie. Uh, it resonated with me pretty immediately. My grandfather fought in World War II and um, you know, like that opening scene, which I know is a little bit like hit or miss. I'm talking about the the uh, the very opening of the movie as they're walking to the to the grave sites. Um, you know, I know that's not like those bookends are not everybody's favorites, but I immediately uh, connected with oh. the with that older gentleman who reminded me of my grandfather, who at this point was. Uh, battling Parkinson's and, you know, like just didn't, uh, wasn't able to really like talk about any of this stuff with me anymore. So this movie was a, a pretty big deal for me when it came out. Yeah. It, this was huge. I mean, the, the hype for this movie was huge. We'll talk more about where all these guys were in their careers, but you know, peak, peak Hanks, peak Spielberg, the, the anticipation couldn't have been higher for this movie for so, from so many of us. I, I just remember the previews 
was I, I only really remember a teaser for them of like just like that close up of Hanks, you know, and and like saving Private Ryan. Where they didn't really show much, I think, because they wanted to hold it for when it actually right. came out. Yeah. Um, but I remember being so so excited for it and being in the theater with not realizing it, not thinking about it going into the movie that there's a lot of, you know, elderly people, uh, you know, here, them realizing that these are probably a lot of veterans in, in the theater and just how emotional it was when the, when the credits rolled that it oh, was yeah. silent other than people crying. Like, just- yeah, oh, I, I, I absolutely, I mean, remember when the movie ended walking out and seeing a lot of the older generation film goers sitting there and like just i mean in some cases like close to bawling i mean it was very uh you know it obviously had connected on a very very uh emotional level for for anybody who was directly affected by by the war yeah, it was uh, probably the mo- most emotional cinema experience that I've ever had. Uh, you know, the, like people were crying, then the credits and everyone sat through the whole credits like nobody moved. And then the lights came up and like people got up and saluted and mm-hmm. and it was still but it was still like silent. You know, nobody was talking. Yeah. And just I remember just walking out with my group of friends and, you know, we're what? 20 21 something like that and and uh you know we're like the rowdiest of kids but definitely were it, it was the first time it was like we were showing respect by like just shutting our mouths and oh yeah these i think everybody was their... just in like reverence you know yeah. like everybody yeah. was just i mean it shed i think it shed light to to that to our generation kind of more you know i mean that that opening battle scene is so um i mean it's so intense and it's so well done i mean i know we're going to talk about it more uh you know the camera work and everything but it does such a great job of really kind of putting you in the chaos you know i mean it's mm-hmm. it's uh and it was not like anything anybody had ever really seen at that time aside from maybe like war documentaries right like you're getting that same kind of frenetic like handheld effect but right even the 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 sound mixing i mean there there are elements to that thing that are so well done that just seem minor but they just do such a great job of drawing you in like there's a scene where in that opening battle where you're the point of view of one of the one of the military personnel and they're bobbing in and out of the water and as they're bobbing in and out of the water the 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 sound comes in and out like like it would if you were going in and out of the water and it's just like something that always resonated with me like that level of detail is just like i mean there was so much thought that went into all of that that it was impossible to to not walk away from it and feel affected by it yeah, absolutely. And obviously that's one of the key elements of the film that 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 lasts and that that we're going to get into more specifics on. But have has your opinion changed over time of, for this movie though? I I know a lot of people who like when it came out everybody loved it. And then within 3 4 years 
people started to kind of dog on it and were were like just getting over well the plot uh the plot's ridiculous it doesn't you know that like that doesn't work it totally takes away from the movie i just know i know a lot of people who turned around on it and hmm. still respected the the um technical side of it and the construction of that opening all the battle sequences really but the plot just like kept getting more and more negative feedback as as it went through time have you guys run into that or what what do you guys think i mean uh i I haven't heard that from other folks but i don't have those conversations like you guys did uh back then and then uh you know it's it I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I buy into the plot so easily. I honestly, I don't know. I meant to look like, is there any anything from that era that resembles a story like this where it's just sort of a it, it, I mean, it's it seems so n- not something that would ever happen. But in terms of at least in modern day, you know, but like this idea of sort of just, you know, on, somehow honoring human life in some way when we're sending all these teenagers in the battle to die uh i mean you know i don't know there's that there's some level of honor or uh you know uh, reverence for you know the affected home i mean i don't know is is there something that that i I should i should have looked (laughs) uh is there something that actually resembles this story in any way in real life from that time I, i don't even know i don't think so i've never heard of anything yeah I mean, I'm sure like an actual, you know, historian of, of the, of it could say that there's, you know, not to this extreme, this kind of like this very, it does seem like a very movie plot kind of thing, but I don't know. You kind of want to, it's, it's, it's a kind of an optimistic, hopeful view of humanity and, and such terrible, such a terrible situation that uh, you almost want to believe a story like this could exist uh, in real life. Um so uh but yeah for me it's not like oh well that's crazy that would never happen like i especially back then it was so easy to fall into cynicism of that like mm. you know it's not such a far-fetched idea um no it, it, it no. seems unlikely but uh i'm not gonna I, i'm not i wasn't gonna ever buy into well that would just never happen it's like i don't well you know that's not it's really not even the point uh yeah yeah so i never saw that but i don't know brent i mean what what kind of what kind of later feedback were you getting or or did your opinion change well you know like mine didn't uh like i still think that this is one of the greatest war movies like that i that i think's ever been ever been made I, there are others that i might like more for different reasons but i just think overall what this movie did to action scenes and things like that. And then just bringing world war two back up to the forefront, you know, for me was really that part of it for me is really important because, you know, like I had mentioned, my grandfather who fought in world war two was a really interesting guy. He was a navigator for the B 17 bombers in world war two. And then after the war, he stayed in Germany as uh, an engineer and built uh, the Ramstein Air Base out in in Germany. Wow. Uh, my mom was actually born in Hamburg, Germany. And then after that, he went to be an aeronautical engineer for Boeing and then NASA. And so it's like, Jesus. he, when I was younger, would talk about 
the war a little bit. Um, and just, you know, being a navigator on a bomber's like, you got to imagine it's a very tough gig because yeah. back then, like you're, you, you know, you didn't have the laser precision guidance systems that they have now. Like yeah. you're basically the guy and the belly of the beast, like flying the plane saying, this is where we drop the bombs. And, yeah. you know, he always kind of wrestled with that. And, you know, I didn't. By the time I said, by the time this movie had come out, he was battling with Parkinson's dementia. You know, he passed away actually the winter after this movie came out. So he never saw it or anything like that. But I remember those stories that we would talk about when I was younger. And I never really got a chance as I got older and understood more about war and about what was going on to ask him more of those questions. And so for this purpose, like this movie really uh, is, is important to me because of that missing opportunity. Um, so I could see how people might question some of the stuff, you know, I, obviously it does seem far-fetched that they're going to send a battalion out to try and rescue a single person. Uh, but then you're talking about the greatest generation, right? And like you hear stories about that kind of stuff coming from, from that time. And so, you know, like I can get over that, you know, and I think this movie does a good job of like kind of, balancing kind of the battle versus boredom aspect of of war and you know like why brotherhoods are formed and why like you know band of brothers has a has a platform to be a 10 episode series on hbo you know i mean it's it's about yeah. that kind of uh bond that's built with with the people that you're out there doing these horrible things and experiencing these horrible things um together doing. And so, um, yeah, I can get it. I could get how people might question it. There are other movies that kind of question that battle versus boredom, not as well done. I think Jarhead's one that rings out and mm -hmm. to me the most, you know, uh, mm -hmm. with that kind of stuff, but yeah, uh, you know, everybody ebbs and flows with their opinions on certain things. Uh, for, for me, this one is always kind of resonated very, very strongly. So, you know, I've never, my opinion's never really changed on it. Yeah. Mine hasn't really either. You know, I, I just was like, I've acknowledged it, but yeah. Okay. Like, like you said, it's, it's a little far fetched, but that's not really going to take the movie down for me because there's so much strength in so many other parts of the film um, from the, the action sequences to how it's shot in general to the cast you know, we'll, we'll get into the cast in yeah. a little bit, but because uh, there's so many of them. Um, but <laughs> For sure. uh, let's let's talk about Hanks in 98 coming up to this movie. So so in our Thanksgiving, we we left off, of course, with Joe versus the volcano in 1990. It's been quite a journey for Tom to get quite all a run to like yeah. almost your definition of a list actor. Um you know, 1990 was a kind of an awful year for Tom in that regardless of our opinions of Joe versus the Volcano, <laughs> it was not a successful movie followed immediately by Bonfire of the Vanities. That was, you know, and we talked about that last episode, that that was right. just kind of a, a, a disaster of a year for him that, you know, and he's also stepping with Bonfire. He's stepping out of his uh you know the comedy style he was so known for and was so good at and I, I think he was miscast in that movie and and 
just an epic failure there. And and he kind of takes 1991 for the most part off to hit the reset button and kind of get things back on track, which he really does with a supporting role in A League of Their Own, which we covered here back in year one. You can mm-hmm. hear it in the archives at www.reconsinimation.com. Uh, but then, then the, then the, it's like the momentum is building then. Cause then it's what it's Forrest Gump. It's, Oh no, no. It's sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, yeah, sleepless, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13. Yeah. Toy story. Yeah. That thing you do, which <laughs> is another one that people don't talk about a lot, but I love, <laughs> there's a lot of people who love that movie. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever actually seen it all the way through, but he, he, directed, he directed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Giovanni Ribisi is in it. So we're going to, I know we're going to talk more about the cast, but yeah. there's a lot of those kind of interesting interwoven connections with yeah. this group of people. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, and he's won best actor, you know, the, the Academy Award for best actor two years in a row, which was like, I remember that being just a huge deal uh, right. one for Philadelphia and for Forrest Gump. And there he's able to prove his real acting chops that he can do drama with the right you know when cast in the right role he's amazing clearly yeah uh, and after can, philadelphia and forrest gump the feeling was he could do anything yeah and then he was pretty much just doing drama for a while and then veered totally away from comedy for a long time i mean even to this day he hasn't really done that many comedies again i mean just cast away <laughs> that is hilarious the funniest movie just kidding <laughs> This summer, uh, Tom is on an island <laughs> by himself, facing certain death. Tom and Wilson together. He makes a new friend. Ooh, lady killers. Let's put lady killers out because well, I mean, it's yeah. not that one's not great, but it's supposed to be a comedy, right? I yeah, was so yeah. on board with the idea of lady killers. I yeah. saw that shit in the theater and I pretty much like it a lot, but I haven't seen it since. But I'm I've like, only seen it once. I feel like I need to rewatch it. Him doing like a character, like you know, it's a real character, uh, uh, you know, part. You know, he's, it's not just he's like, funny in it. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's great, and like it's a it's actually a great cast in it. Yeah. Like so, the, like there's all these like parts of Lady Killers that like should add up to like some you know really interesting funny movie. I know most people don't give care care much for it, but yeah. But yeah, straight comedy. That was it. Like, you know, other than that, yeah. like there was, there's just lightheartedness and, you know, uh, you know, with uh, the terminal and even catch me if you can, is kind of, kind of light in its, in its, in its way. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But he's, yeah. Anyway, but no, he's a, he's a drama King. Yeah. But he's coming off uh, another like two year break where that mm-hmm. thing you do is 96. I believe that he directed and co-starred in. he's not, he's in it, but he, I don't think he's the lead. No, uh, but this but, break is different than the last break. The last well, break was like, I need to like, yeah, give it a minute. So the heat can cool off and I can kind of reintroduce myself into this. Yeah thing and this i feel like he's just taking a break because he's been busting his ass like obviously putting out award level films one after the other for a good chunk of time yeah and i think a lot of it is you know this movie shot in 97 so just preparing for this role and you know doing we'll talk about the boot camp and just the process of filming this is a huge deal this is not an easy movie to make and 
for anybody, for the actors, for the for directors, for producers, for any crew member. It's these are really challenging, kind of grueling locations that you're in all over the world. So uh, probably just spent a lot of his energy working on this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And then Spielberg, Mr. Spielberg, who we haven't really covered since Jaws. Was that the last Spielberg movie we did? Which yes. was our third episode of this show. Right. We've, <laughs> we've avoided one of the, the all-time greats of Hollywood for, for the most part. I feel like this is going to change sometime in the future. Yeah, well, there's... Steven Spielberg at in 1998 was the number one director. Yeah. I mean, right. I think some would argue that he still is. I don't know if that's really true, but you know, to this point, it was epic film after epic film, huge successes almost every time, a couple of misses, but at this point it didn't matter anymore. He was, I mean, he was beyond set for life and he's coming off what Schindler's list and jaws in 93. And then he's got lost world and Amistad in 97. So, you know, some gaps, but he's basically doing two movies sort of back to back Right. you know, in a row and then shifting to the next pair, which I thought was kind of kind of worked against him at a certain point. Like clearly Jurassic Park and Schindler's both home runs, but uh, Lost World and Amistad, you know, maybe he should have given his full attention to each of those instead of kind of splitting time. Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, that, that that's the case. You could always I mean, make that case, like right, like oh, we just he's he's doing too many projects too quickly, and I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we could always point to that. Who knows though? Who who knows if he spent you know two years prepping just one of those movies? If it'd be great, probably would be each one would have been better than they are, or you know, well, more well more received, better received. But you know, he just he had stories to tell. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, I mean Lost World. I don't know. It really had no reason. I, I, other than the fact that Jurassic Park was so successful, like the source material, the book is also pretty weak. I mean, yeah. it's just, and then they, they took probably the most interesting part of the book and then they totally shit the bed on that, which yeah, Lost World's a pretty disappointing. Yeah. And it endeavor. doesn't, it doesn't, age well either it's not one of those like oh it's okay now you know kind of like temple of doom <laughs> yeah but um you know lost world just there's a lot of problems it's just it just there's so many things that don't work about it it just doesn't feel right it doesn't click yeah um amistad is amistad's a good film it's it's great cast also it just it never hit that epic tier like the other spielberg movies mm -hmm. but it was good Right. Yeah, I put, you know, I mean, some of his historical, like, I don't know, like, when you think about Lincoln and things, even those mo movies now, like, I put Amistad kind of with Lincoln, where it's, mm -hmm. it's well made, you know, there, it's interesting material. But yeah, it, to me, it's not something that keeps you wanting to come back and it's like the rewatchability isn't yeah. there, you know? It's, yeah. It's like zero, like, Oh, yeah. let's, let's watch Amistad, you know? Yeah. 
it's kind of funny. Like maybe he shouldn't have been. I mean, at the time, it was probably, you know, it was good that he was making it, but like he's probably not the one to like make on the stud. You know, like if you were to to make that kind of tell that story, sure. I mean, Steve, just he's not probably the one to do it. You know, but at the time, he would have been the he he'd be the only one that would do it or could do it, right? The only one that I, I don't know the the history of getting that movie made. But I'm obviously like it was probably like important that at least the story got told, you know, or just like a drama. T- like, I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, but today you wouldn't want to see Amistad directed by any like, I don't know, Steven Spielberg or. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Guy. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't necessarily. Greta Gerwig shouldn't make Amistad, right? Like. <laughs> necessarily also probably accurate (laughs) (laughs) and and and, you know anyway it it, it's but it's a it was a different time (laughs) 20 years ago but still regardless of of kind of how those movies have aged you know at this time summer of 98 a spielberg movie coming out like that's it's huge news everyone's gonna go see it everyone's excited about it and it's it's the right uh it always felt like the right team up, you know, him and Hanks. And, and now let, let's talk about them together because, you know, like we mentioned, they've dabbled in it. You know, Spielberg yeah. produced the money pit Spielberg produced Joe versus the volcano, but it wasn't that full, like, let's get the two of these guys to make a movie together. Yeah. Well, those Until- are both Amblin, Amblin movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, including, and, and then now private Ryan, also an Amblin movie. Right. But Stevens in the director's chair. Yeah. So this is the first time these guys are, you know, and the, the peak of their careers and they're working together. It was, it was, uh, and this would really begin a kind of a classic Hollywood team up. Right. I mean, Oh, right. Yeah. Cause after this, then they're, whether it's producing things together or, or whatever, like they, paired up quite a number of times. I mean, you've got after this, you've got Band of Brothers and the Pacific, both HBO limited series. Catch me if you can. The Terminal, uh, Bridge of Spies, The Post, uh, and then now Masters of the Air that we mentioned, which is the third part. And we'll talk more about this Band of Brothers trilogy because it, there would that would none of these would exist without private ryan that's right like so many movies and the way they were done wouldn't exist without this movie this is um this is sort of a groundbreaking movie visually speaking and a lot of that is due to uh janusz kaminski the cinematographer which i think what schindler's list was the first time i believe they they teamed up and which is also a visual Brent check me on that, but also a visually beautiful film. But back, no, it was ugly. <laughs> that was <laughs> terrible. Fact, fact check this Schindler's yeah. list. Gorgeous. No, <laughs> it's black and white, but there's a little girl in a red dress that just throws me off. <laughs> don't get that. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't like it. I get it. I don't like it. I was <laughs> Just is very she... jarring. Man, it's been a while since I've seen that. I thought, yeah. Sorry. I'm She's not... in a red dress. She's in a red dress, right? It's not a red. It's not a red flower. It's a red coat. A coat. A coat. Might be a coat. Yeah. I think it's a coat. 
well, she's red. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was making light of the, <laughs> an offhanded kind of. No, but it's really his involvement. And I'm sure combined with Spielberg and, and, you know, others, that visual style of this movie is what sets it apart. Because if you look at the plot, like we kind of mentioned, it's not the plot that is making this movie so, um, I don't know. So just it just sucks you in. It's not the plot that's doing it. It's everything you're seeing, and it's the experience of the movie and how that's, you feel watching it. Yeah, it's the filmmaking. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, they're everything that they're doing is kind of trying to put you in the seat of one of the people that's in the battle. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's just something you never, you had the viewers had never really experienced in such a visceral way. I mean, you know, the stories and the dramatizations of, of war warfare and all of that. Um, this was the first time you're getting the, I mean, you're getting in a, a, a such an intense version of it and it and it depicts not only like i mean it's it depicts sort of a broad a little bit of a broad sense because like there's so many people storming the beach right and you're in the very in the beginning after the, the opening scene and uh but like and there's all these little moments of like if you if you were a, a soldier storming and you look to your right you'll see things and like that, like there's just so many moments of that throughout the battle sequences where they just, they just, he shows you something that you, it has nothing to do with a specific person. You just look over and it's someone dying or the, how they physically look after they're dead or how the beach look, the color of the beach, the, and the, the, and then the set and just, of course the sound mix of just, you know, just the, the bullets flying, the sounds, the, sp- the 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 rain and the 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 splashing of the ocean waves and the chaos of it, the bullet. I mean, it's, and it's and it's it's the cacophony of all of it, and it's cha- it's pure chaos, and you're just witnessing, you know, these boats pulling up. I forgot the name of the actual the proper term of them, but they drop, you know, dropping these guys off, and you know, they're dying immediately. All these guys, all these young men who could be teenagers or 20 years old or whatever. Uh, and they train, they go through, they go through boot camp, they go through basic, they, all of that. They, they, they prepare, they train, they get, they get on, they get on planes, they get on boats, they get on, they're halfway across the world. And even, but even as the, the, the decks coming down so they can get off, they just shot dead, like just dead yeah. and dozens and dozens per second of people dying around you that it's just, and it, I, I, that, I mean, what, witnessing that for the first time in the theater was just like, like just heart wrenching and gut, just like, ugh. and just watching it again. It's just like, this is so, this is so crazy. Like it's just, just endless, endless death, endless like violence for, and, 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 and there's, and it's just like, I always think about just how lucky essentially to not have been shot, to be able to approach the beach, to get on the beach, to actually make progress to, and then actually, you know, win the battle essentially. um, So others can come through. And I mean, just how 
if it's the guy to your left dies, the guy to your right dies, the guy in front of you dies, but you make it through. I mean, what, what, I can't even imagine the psychological impact of that um, to get that far. And just, you just happen to be the guy that gets that far. I mean, Jesus, it's like, there's no skill involved in storming a beach when there's machine guns pointed at you. You just got lucky. Yeah. You know, there's a perfect moment on the beach where that's kind of all summed up too, right? Where the the one guy on the beach gets shot through the helmet and he takes his helmet off and he's looking at it. And the guy next to him says, Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. And the next thing you know, he gets shot in the head again and dies. And it's just like, it's just like that. Your luck can change any second. And that's to your point, exactly what it is. No matter how well-trained, no matter what Intel you may have had rolling into the, into the, the fight, you know, making it to safety is luck, you know, and then, and then regrouping and what you do with it from that point, like that's when your training comes in. Yeah. But I mean, it was, yeah, absolute chaos. Well, and it's the way it's all put together that these guys give you that experience that you as a viewer for the first time ever are really experiencing as close as you can without being there what that was like through all the sound and the visuals and you know the point of view shots and and just everything combined that there's i don't know you again without being there like i don't know how you could get closer than that no Uh, i mean absolutely this is the most intense and and believably accurate portrayal of war on film aside from documentary style stuff that had ever been done right i mean probably to this day yeah not that not that not that it you know like i don't want to sit here and pretend like i know what it is to be in real battle i've never been to war i have not been in the military i can't imagine that it mirrors it one for one in any way and if you're in battle i know for a fact it's a lot different than sitting in a theater watching it, even sure. if they do a really damn good job of trying to put you in those sure, sure. those boots. But man, for real, at this point, from a film-going experience, absolutely, there had never been anything really like it before. Because what was, you know, the, the World War II movie uh, had really sort of died out at this point. You know, it was so heavy through right. the obviously the 40s 50s 60s and then it starts to peter out in the 70s you have a little bit in the 80s but that's really it so there's like i mean memphis bell was the last one i remember and i loved that movie memphis bell's a great movie um i don't remember thin red line came out after this yeah thin red line came out a few months after that was like november i think okay so but they were really close yeah yeah, two yeah, epic so, movies that both came out within months of each other with huge cast of all stars. Yeah, yeah. Memphis Bell, honestly, other than is is kind of the last prior to Saving Ryan, Private Ryan is because a lot of the focus at the time for the war movies was Vietnam, Vietnam you yeah. know, and 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 what was going on going on there. So yeah, the World War II movies had not been um, really a focal point for a while yeah yeah and and this sort of brought that back with a vengeance (laughs) you know steven spielberg's always had a connection he's always been fascinated with world war ii his father served in the military and absolutely um he was 
always hearing stories about it. And it was something that was sort of embedded in his, almost in his DNA that his, right. his movies were going to circle around that for the most part. I mean, as a kid, he used to shoot, you know, the, the, the home movies he would shoot were all, not all, but you know, he, they would center around battles and, and war and, you know, some of the stories that he had heard from his family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. That yeah, started I mean, real young. Yeah. I mean, you, you, even the Indiana Jones movies are centered around Nazis. You yep. know, it, it's related to the war. 1941. Um, does always, always doesn't have anything to do with the war, right? He's always. just a pilot. He's a, he's a pilot and a it's as a is it one of the fire he he i don't i don't think it yeah. has anything to do with war but i'm trying to remember i think the plane may have been a retrofit yeah my but obviously empire of the sun yes you know a lot of big ones so it's a big part of his his storytelling you know he always or a lot of times would use world war ii as a device and here it's like getting it right back in your face, not shoving it down your throat because it's not like too much, but um, but really presenting it again. Like, guys, this happened and this was horrible and this was here's yeah. as close as you're going to get to it. And everything I've always heard from veterans who'd seen the movie was like they confirmed that was about as close as you could get. Yeah, uh, there's really only two. I mean, there's two like major battles and then a, a few skirmishes. Yeah, in the movie, you know. But I mean, granted, they're long durations of time within the movie. Like the first battle is twenty plus minutes. The mm-hmm. last battle is thirty ish minutes. Um, you know, so in a movie that's almost three hours long, uh, an hour of that pretty much is is all battle and then and then you've got kind of the small things that go on throughout the rest of it right but yeah like you said those opening that opening moment as soon as those doors come down just boom 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 and and the brutality and the violence of those bullets like you know i think at the time we're used to we're not used to seeing gore like that in a world in a war movie you know we've seen blood of course and people getting shot but never people being blown apart like that with such you know intensity right the body parts flying and yeah which is what it's really like yeah i mean definitely not in this like there's hamburger hill was another like i believe that's a Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's vietnam or korean war though I thought Hamburger Hill. I can't remember actually. I haven't um, seen that in forever. But right, and then and then there are scenes in Full Metal Jacket, but they're. I mean, the most. I mean, the scene that comes out to me most in Full Metal Jacket, sniper scene. Like that's I feel like one of the most mm-hmm. intense scenes in that movie. But yeah, like seeing people's. I mean, seeing a guy on the beach like looking for his arm, you know, like or dragging half a body up, you know, I mean, like, yeah, that kind of stuff. I think you see it now much more regularly in, oh, yeah. in, in the war movies, but this was really kind of the first time where it was, it was presented that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see it now because of this movie. Sure. Oh yeah. 
Absolutely. This, I mean, this changed how, I mean, this changed greatly, like how war was depicted in film. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we haven't even seen half the cast, like really at this point, I think we only see Tom Hanks, Tom Sizemore and Barry Pepper, I believe are the only cast members you see on the boats before the attack starts on the boats. Yeah. Right. The rest you meet as they make it up the beach. Right. After they make it past the, the dune basically against the wall. But it's, you know, it's just such a vivid picture of how hard this situation was for the soldiers that, you know, we're, we grew up with like the John Wayne world war two movies that were very cut and dry good guys versus bad guys, you know, um, heroes you know the whole hero factor Mm -hmm. which this um gets into in a much more complicated realistic way of of some of those same subjects but uh i feel like we grew up with our parents john wayne movies like but like it's you know and it's always and not and i i I would never say that they were like glamorizing it or whatever but it's certainly a perspective of uh you know it's been it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. it's Hollywood version, pro, right? Pro America kind of ish, yeah. a little bit, and uh, but obviously with lots of you know trying to trying to at least like establish a narrative where mm-hmm. you know what was going on. I, I think with a lot of those movies, it was at least you know it, all of it is very much like there's a righteousness to to what's going on, and this movie is no exception to that. Um, but there's not this one isn't like this isn't like we're all going to go kill Hitler. Like it's like, it, it, it is a very singular story of right. amidst all of this crazy, crazy insanity that will traumatize you in the first five seconds, let alone, you know, the months that you'll be yeah. <laughs> seeing battle. Uh, and it's like this one human story of like, well, we, there's one guy we, we need to save and it, it it's like it's it's this moral imperative in a sense that right. in in all of the and in, in no matter your thought of war and what they're doing and every soldier counts there's still some sort of injustice of you know four brothers uh you know all dying uh in one war so if we can save one and i'm assuming that the abraham lincoln quote and you know the 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 letter that's that's based in reality where it was just like these brothers that he wrote about uh i think that's probably that's got to be the inspiration right and just in yeah. terms of like the, the, yeah. the brothers who died in the civil war um like what it well what if that would happen in world war ii what would we do well you well it, there it is loosely based on the nyland family from from world war ii Oh, okay. Where there there were thought to be three brothers who were all killed. So they, you know, they they reached they they got a hold of the fourth brother who was in Normandy. It was not the epic find this guy and somewhere in Europe uh, sure. that this movie is. They knew where he was and pulled him out. Then they found out the the third brother was not actually dead and and did survive. So, but, yeah. You know. So I mean, it sort of set the stage like in warfare and. Where, you know, men who are sitting behind their desks in their suits 
from afar, far away. Well, not that I mean it's far enough away, away from battle. You know Danger. what de- what decisions are being made and thought about, and those decisions are of course not made lightly, but they are they are made away from the action. And um, you know what is the moral and what's the moral choice in a, a senseless immoral situation? Uh, not to say that you know trying to stop Hitler is an immoral choice, right? I mean, uh, but just you know warfare, death, uh, right. violence, all of that, and you know the U.S. not entering the fray until years later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say yeah to which again this movie's not about any of that but uh so anyway anyway listen i like the movie go america well and so <laughs> that brings up sort of the themes of the movie that you know people i think lose sight a lot a lot of times people lose sight of the movie that it's a commentary on the war and that's not really what the movie is about it's about I mean, sort of it is and it isn't, but it's about the value of human life and mm-hmm. um, the respect for that. And and part of that is making all of these characters so human and relatable and identifiable, which, again, outside of your lead actors in, in movies prior, you know, was just the rest of a battalion. You know, it was just almost like extras you know you got barely any time with any of those characters whereas here you've got this group and you get to know each one of them and i think in in my only sort of i don't know i don't want to say like negative view on it from now but but just that that i i I clocked on this viewing was that it's a a little heavy-handed you know with you know giovanni rabisi and his story and and Vin Diesel's story and and it just like sometimes they lean into it a little too much. Now, I didn't feel that way when it came out. I just having seen it 17 times, <laughs> you know, now I can see that side of it a little more. To me, that's really the only like negative of the of the movie. And I I wouldn't even say negative. I would just say um something that popped to me. It's a little, you know, it's, it, well, it's funny because, like, when I saw Lincoln in the theaters and Spielberg, of course, God help you that. for doing that. But there were times that I was just like, this is like a parody of a Hollywood movie about Abe Lincoln, which is specifically, this is a parody of a Spiel, Steven Spielberg movie. Like, the, and he made it, you know, like, I always point to it. I've mentioned on the podcast the, the, the black union soldier who, effortlessly quotes Abraham Lincoln in the opening scene and walks away from his Gettysburg address or whatever. And I'm just like with the, with the swelling music. And I'm like, you are just cheesing it up, bro. Like, yeah. Regardless of, even if that story happens, the way you're portraying it is just absolutely like cheese factor. And so, yeah, even just watching the opening kind of opening of the move of this movie, just the horns and the, the flag and the thing, but I, it still just works. Cause I think it's the, it's the first, it's the thing it's, this is establishes it. This is, this is the thing you, you ape as a filmmaker later. This is the thing you strive to do because, but this is the first time it, I mean, not to say horns and flags and war movies. No, but it's you know, the way, the way he used them. 
Yeah. So there was this uh, on the upon a viewing of it, it's like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, this this will evolve into something that you could, you know, you could almost make fun of in a sense or, you know, parody or, you know, if you ape it, then you're just you're just copying something and it looks cheesy. Um, yeah. But it didn't it still didn't feel that way. Like it just no. it's just still so good, like in terms of. Well, I, I also know. think there's that also that kind of unknown there's that other layer to this where it's like on first viewing, you don't know who this guy is. Like you mm-hmm. think he might be one character. You don't know which character he is. Yeah. So, you know, immediately your assumption well, is it's Tom Hanks. Exactly. They, they, they trick you there because right. they yeah. do that, you know, that cut or fade or whatever into like right eyes from to his eyes. face, yeah. eyes to eyes to Hanks. So yeah. Well, not quite, but like you get the same, you get the same point of view. Yeah. Right. Like his, his you, you, it's the exact same angle a, li- a little bit later. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's telegraphing a little red herring for you. Yeah. Exactly. Till the end. Um. Yeah. Which I think gives this a little bit more depth. Like I totally get it, and you know, absolutely. In subsequent movies, this kind of approach gets a little overplayed mm-hmm. uh but i don't know for me you know again uh, it immediately resonates for me for different reasons so it's it's hard to remove that from the from the situation but um yeah i also think it just works because the depth of like kind of the red herring aspect of it yeah, yeah i i think with those bookends in the film if it had stayed at that level then the movie wouldn't have worked but because you get everything in between those that's so good and so strong Mm -hmm. it's like okay like those those don't bother me that much Mm -hmm. even though yes they're like definitely cheesier and um you know uh, just there's not as much to them as the whole rest of the movie <clears throat> but it's all the rest of those characters that you can identify with. I mean, all of them feel like real people and they do a really good job of, of, you know, creating real characters and telling their stories that are just like everybody, everybody else, you know, all of them. I don't know. To me, they all look like regular guys, you know? Yeah. Vin mm-hmm. Diesel would of course go on to be a huge star, but he still looks like, guys i grew up with you know (laughs) the they look he looked like a jersey guy to me exactly yeah yeah yeah. but uh you know all of them and and such great actors i mean all of these guys you know not all of them have become stars but um or like stars you thought they would be but they've all had good careers you know at at, at a minimum yeah i mean that at the at, I mean, Barry Pepper is probably the least, you know, like renown of the group, but right, you know, you've still seen him and stuff. And then the rest of the rest of that company is just they're all, you know, you very, you know, very busy actors, very yeah. busy oh, yeah. people, you know, well, and 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 stars in their own right, depending on who you're talking about. So it's yeah. just like it was. It was Barry Pepper was like the one. Oh, who also, by the way, was in Enemy of the State. Which mm-hmm. did come out in the fall of '98, so I oh. did see it in college, but it wasn't summer. Just FYI. Yeah, but, I don't uh, think Will Smith had a summer movie in '98. He but, did not. Yeah, so just, broke that uh, streak. 
just want to bring it back to Will Smith, who I just love talking about <laughs> uh, in the, the in the Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah, I mean, all these guys, Edward Burns at this point was like mm. sort of like king of the indie film. Oh, it's yeah. Like, he was an indie darling. Are you kidding? Brothers yeah. McMullen. She's the one. What? No. What is it? Uh, she, she's, she's, she's the man. No, no. <laughs> that was that was Channing Tatum a couple of years later. Yeah, no. No What's comment. <laughs> Uh, he, I think it's she's the one. She's the one, yeah. and then uh, he had my best friend's one. wedding. Isn't he in that? Is he in that? No, he's is not. He in that? That's Dermot uh, Mulroney. Yeah, that is Dermot Mulroney. Dermot um, Mulroney. I, he had another one that was like kind of the third of his of his um, indie indie films that he wrote and directed in that that came out right before this. But yeah, I mean, he was absolutely. Uh, it's kind of interesting because a number of these guys that are in the movie are also directors. So it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. you've got obviously Tom Hanks, who at this point had just finished directing um, that thing you do. Uh, Adam Goldberg uh, mm-hmm. yep. directed a movie called Scotch and Milk, which also had Giovanni Ribisi in it, you know? So there's like all sorts of kind of, leadership type uh actors that are in in these roles you know Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes many of them had worked together in other other movies because giovanni rubisi was also in that thing you do under tom hanks and so i mean it's just kind of and wasn't rubisi and vin diesel in boil was a boiler room that was after yeah it was i mean it it released after i don't know when it was filmed but it, it yeah they were in that together and uh, Jeremy Davies was in a movie called we've talked about this one before because I'm in it, but the locusts, mm-hmm. uh, which was with Kate Capshaw. That's um, and Vince Vaughn. Uh, and I think that, you know, like so he obviously it seems to me like maybe he he had met uh, Spielberg through through that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he had done other things. Because he was also kind of an indie actor. Oh, yeah. Was it Spanking the Monkey? I think Spankin was. The, yeah, yeah, that was just kind of the first thing that he kind of really got known for. That was then of, by... of course, Twister. Don't forget that. Twister, yeah. David O. Russell directed Spanking the Monkey, though, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, he directed one of my other favorite war movies, <laughs> Three Kings. Three Kings is a great movie. So <laughs> Last I saw it, you know. It's been many, many years, but yeah. man, I did. I went through a stint where I loved that one for a long. It was on constant replay. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think I saw that. In the, I was working at the movie theater uh, at DeVargas at that point, so I oh, saw when that, that came out so many times. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, and and let's not forget, let's not forget, Mister Tom Sizemore. Oh, of course not. Double Sizemore. Double the Tom power in this movie. Double T. Yeah. Now, Sizemore, that was a huge deal for me because as we've covered on this show, mid to late 90s, my guys were were Michael Bean, Tom Sizemore, um, Chris Penn, and Michael Madsen. So whatever those guys were in, whatever level movie it was, I was going to see it. So just, you know, Sizemore is again, at the peak of his career after heat and, you know, he's in natural boring killers and, and just like a number of great movies. Uh, and this was like the, the, the peak for him. Icing. Yeah. The icing on the cake. Yeah. And he's like, I, I always, I'm always a sucker for like the sidekick, 
you know i love the oh, sidekicks yeah. in the movies and he's just like a great one you know he's yeah. outstanding and, you know at the end of the film when he like you kind of haven't realized in that last battle that he's kind of disappeared like they just don't show show him for a while and then he like turns the corner with that bazooka it's like <laughs> yeah. yes yes yeah. that's it tommy all right but he's such a like he was so good as that like loyal sergeant you know tom uh you know captain miller's right hand man yeah. um just trying to keep the rest of the the group in line yep whether he believes what they're doing is right or not he's going to follow orders well and he's a good opposite to tom right like just a good sounding board cuz he yeah. brings a completely different mindset to yeah. to situations so yeah yeah so the cast all put together you know great great performances and then throughout the whole rest of the movie there's so many people that they encounter yeah uh ted danson ted danson dennis farina uh paul giamatti nathan fillion for fuck's sake yeah i forgot i forgot that was nathan fillion holy (laughs) shit yeah a young nathan fillion yeah. And, I, and I recognized him immediately, and he wasn't even quite in full view. But you know, you know, if you've yeah, seen you enough re- Nathan absolutely. Fillion, you you know Nathan Fillion, right? Like, yeah. Because in my head, it was the guy who was in like Major League Three. Uh, that guy. That, yeah, uh, that's the guy with the 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 lucky, not lucky guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. That, uh, in my head, that 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 sort of you know farmer boy. Yep. Guy, I I would have said like who who played that part. I'm like, oh, it was the guy from like Major League Three. Nope. It, it, it's it's Nathan Fillion. Like, wow. Like that was probably the first time I ever seen Nathan Fillion on on screen. Yeah, well, I think it was. I mean, that was before I don't before, before Firefly. Was it before two guys, a girl and a and a pizza place? Oh, probably around the same time. Maybe maybe time. two guys got him this. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe Spielberg, Spielberg was watching Spielberg. two guys, a girl in a pizza place and was like, him. I need him. Yeah. So he saw he saw Nathan Fillion and Ryan Reynolds, uh, and he's like I want that Fillion guy. Yeah. He's, he's going to play the, the other I'll take Ryan. Fillion. He's got a future. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have a question because I've seen this movie more times than I could probably count. And I'm never quite sure. Mm. But the German that they let go after mm-hmm. Giovanni Rubisi gets shot. Mm-hmm. The German who kills Adam Goldberg and the German that Jeremy Davies kills at the very end. Yeah, same guy. All the no. same guy? No, 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 no. It's the, two different guys. Two right? different guys. The one who kills Adam. The one who kills Adam Goldberg is not the one they they encounter. Right. That's the uh, the a, bookend guys. Same what? dude. Right. The middle guy who kills Adam Goldberg. Different guy. Just looks incredibly similar and has always bothered me significantly because i always think that oh that should have just been the same guy like why wouldn't they have made it it the same guy and the fact that it's not the same guy bewilders me well if if it was it was that's why he that's that's why he walked by look look at it again it's different guy Um, holy shit this is the thing i like if if it was it's too heavy-handed like that would have been too much that it's but Spielberg. They have the same haircut. Well, I know, but yeah. I mean, I understand it's a military movie, and most of the people probably have the same haircut. But it's like, I don't. It, it drives me nuts because sometimes I do think it's the same guy. 
And sometimes I watch it. I'm like, it's yeah, not the same guy. That's the same guy. Nope. Nope. Totally different guy. Tell me their names. <laughs> I can't do that, David. But... <laughs> it drives me well, crazy. Honestly, yeah. like if it, 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 it I, I, I I'm not you. convinced one way or the other. Well, we'll, we'll t- have to take I, a look at the credits. It seems split. Like it, I'm... It, you're probably right. I mean, it's fine. It, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Um, I've had other people tell me that it's not the same guy. So yeah, I, I lean towards that. There, there's like, shots you can clearly see his face, and it's it actually, honestly, like never occurred to me ever until you said it just now that it even might have been the same guy. It, they always, they always Are you look kidding? different. I that always feel like that's the, that was every time I watched the movie. That's all. I yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about you know <laughs> as as we go through and and we connect with all of these characters. Each of their death scenes, you know, gets harder and harder uh, to, you know, they're more more difficult to watch as you get through them. I mean, you know, Vin Diesel kind of right. He's the first one out of the group. I wouldn't say it's right off the bat, but it's, you know, first half of the movie for sure. Um, you know, that's a tough scene to watch with with the ch- child and trying to rescue yeah. that family and. Even that, are they doing the right thing? Should they have just left him alone? And if they did, maybe he wouldn't have been shot. Right. I mean, someone would have walked out into that opening. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Someone was getting shot. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way that that sniper was up in the in the rubble, you know, it was 90 degrees to that to that area. So mm-hmm. somebody was going to get somebody was going to walk around that corner at some point and get, and get shot. You would, you would expect, but I mean, you feel bad because it's like, Oh, she reminds me of my niece and yada, yada. But th- at the same time, you're like, you're kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Do? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. He Screw just, that. yeah. He screwed up and you, yeah. you know, and and you hear Tom Hanks, like put that effing child back. Like, you know, because yeah. you understand. I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're not going to take that kid with you like right. the rest of the way. Like there's, what are you doing? Like you're not, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys feel about uh, Giovanni Rabisi's death? That for me is the hardest one. Man. That's horrible. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's the hardest one for me. Yeah. Like, it's, it's torturous. Because know, he, it's... he knows what he's looking for. Like they're asking him, what to do and as soon as he knows where he's been hit he knows he's gonna die and he basically says hey you know just give me the morphine and everybody knows what that means right like if the guy you're asking for the advice to kind of sit to to put you back together is asking is you know i mean yeah it's curtains right and then the fact that he's you know like kind of whimpering and saying he wants to go home to mom you know because yeah oh god that that to me is like really tough like i don't like the like the adam goldberg one is also really really tough that's mine yeah you know like i have a really hard time with that one but but it's like this weird like i don't know there's there's a weird like kind of um beauty to it i feel like in and how that that one's done and like the other one just seems much more raw and like emotional to me it like uh, i don't know just hit me different it didn't bother me as much until i had till i had kids and then hearing the calling for mom like that you know resonates on a different level now so yeah yeah um 
thankfully think, we'd see him on friends just uh, i think a few months later so that true, took all the pain away true. there's nothing you know it's it goes back to like sort of it if if you're losing everything you have nothing your life's about to go you're in you're facing the worst pain you could ever experience you're probably yeah. going to call out to your mom yeah and well his delivery is just so like mm-hmm. gut-wrenching too you know i mean it's yeah. it's and, a really well done scene that one and and if you think about it like his that character's mother is on the other you know back in america like she's probably a she's alive you know yeah so in his last moments he's calling out to the and we saw that in the opening sequence of D, the d-day sequence there's a soldier who was calling out to his mother um but again it's like it's a no-name soldier it's, it, it'd be yeah. the idea of like you're storming the beach and you have that one second and you're near that guy and he's he's holding in his guts trying to in his last moments and you know what else do you do right there's nothing yeah. you can do yeah. and you know whether you're call- at that point it's you're either calling out to god or or your mom yeah um yeah so uh and i think that's like that visceral thing of like what if you were fa- it, 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 it impro- like this movie probably made a lot of people face like what if you were dying what if you were you were dying right now like you you know what, what you know what would those moments be like for you especially in like something that just at the end of when you're going, does any of it make sense? No matter what you like the, the pride of, of, of joining the military to, to fight for your country, to take down the Nazis, uh, to, to, to fight for what's right. But in the end, when you're, you're holding in your guts, trying to, trying to take your last breaths, does anything make sense? You know, and what, what's the only thing that makes sense is, you know, your, your, your mother, uh, who who protected you from the beginning you know <laughs> and uh it's just there's so many layers to all of that and um yeah anyway right but that's why you honor the people that are in the military right because they gave yeah they sacrificed that for our freedom mm-hmm. well like you know and it's like it's it's i don't know did, did we start saying the, the modern people start saying, you know, thank you for your service more from, from after this movie, after 9-11. I mean, especially after 9-11, I think. Yeah, was, I mean, 9-11 is only three yeah. years after this. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, it was after, was after at some point that. after that time. I mean, I think it certainly changed the perspective of a lot of people. You know, po- I mean, look, like Vietnam was not a great situation obviously like there was it was bad across the board here you know it was not a war that i a lot of people felt like we had any right being a a part of you know and so like people had soured i think on military presence you know and in turn sadly took that out on military oh yeah people you know and so uh i think that this combined with you know, obviously the huge sacrifice of the, the, you know, NYPD and the New York fire department for nine 11. I mean, like you, you start to see and gain a respect for the sacrifices that these people in uniform are, are putting out there uh, 
for us regular civilians, you know? And so I think it's impossible to not step away from it. And, you know, whether you agree with things or not, you know, you, I think you have to respect that they're willing to, to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the Adam Goldberg scene is the one that really gets me. Like, I can't watch that even now. Like, it's just, mm. it's just so, you know, you're fighting for your life. There's a couple things going on there that, you know, he's up in that, that, you know, second story bedroom or wherever they're at him and the other guy and they get blasted through the wall. The other guy is shot in the neck and is Edward Burns. No, no, no. It's just another German. No, no, another American soldier. He's, he's up there with another guy and they're, you know, they're like shooting from that window, but the other guy gets shot in the throat and is squirming the whole time. Adam Goldberg's fighting with that German. He's squirming on the ground like also dying a horrible death. Yeah. So there's that. And then obviously what's happening with Goldberg is that, you know, he's hand to hand combat fighting for his life and he loses slowly and awfully getting stabbed in the heart in a very sort of calm, quiet way. And the guy just telling him to, you know, shushing him like it just all the I, while, I all the while Oppum is sitting in the stairway too frozen with fear to to make it up the, the steps like that yeah. i think is part of that's the so that's infuriating yeah as as someone when you're watching it you're like dude get like, up you can save him yeah you know yeah. and he doesn't but, and and it's it wasn't often we saw something like that where yeah again so brutal and real that you know, stuff like that happened. Um, and then still happens, but uh, it wasn't really portrayed that way that, you know, the soldiers are heroes and, and they're the good guys and they don't, you know, they're brave. And here you see somebody who is, you know, not all of those things that he's yeah they're human. doing like what a, a, hu- some humans do is they freeze that they don't, they can't process it and don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, yeah, he hadn't had to, to put a, you know, he didn't have to point a gun at anybody until, until the very end. Wasn't so, he like a, a, not a map maker, but he was like a translator, right? Oh, translator. He was a translator. Yeah. Translator. And a, yeah, he just dealt with intelligence stuff. So right. he didn't, you know, he hadn't held a gun since basic. Yeah. So, um, you know, so so then to, to yeah run around with ammo and deliver all that, and then to faced with certain death up in the that stairwell, and he froze like, yeah, he wasn't ready, and yeah, and as I as we're talking and I look, yeah, that it was it was not uh, Steamboat Willie is the which is the name of the the character that up and became friends with mm. and kills at the end. It, it as John said, it's not the same guy, which I I still did couldn't believe hey but, if you want to go that storyline in your mind that's fine it, it either way it works <laughs> but i think they should have cast a guy who didn't look just give him a, give him a, scar. With a mustache give him a scar or an eye patch just make him make him <laughs> an different. eye patch 
<laughs> Eye patch would have done hat. the trick. <laughs> He's got a pet bird. I don't know. Just well, make just him different. A peg don't have him. Don't have him have the same haircut. Like they yeah. both have the same like yeah. widow's peak, shaved short, head, yeah. shaved yeah. head, widow's peak, and I'm like uh, receding. Kind of no, speaking German, they all sound the same. No, they. No, just kidding. I think yeah, they no, look awfully similar. I think I think it's probably confusing for for certain population. That would be you and me, Brent. Uh, John, of course, uh, knew from the beginning. So you know, it's uh, never crossed his mind. Never, honestly, never. never he's did. like that. That's a different guy. Yeah, I've. I've I, I. I was convinced from the in the theater that that's that's him. Yeah. That, but, and I hadn't even thought about that. Now, now I'm trying to think about it, and it's uh, it does. It adds another layer to it for sure. Yeah, but were no, it to yeah. be true, but then which it's not. Well, it's I, not. so to me, it, but the funny thing is, is if I, I were to think like, oh, up and just happens to run across him at the very end of the battle, like you know, to me, the poetry of 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 you know, up and try basically try to save the guy. It doesn't matter. He's not the guy. <laughs> But yeah. like, like, but the way the way you're saying it, John, it does make sense. Of like, that's a little too heavy handed, a little too much. Yeah. Which again, and Spielberg five years later might have. Oh, he would have done it. Yeah. But Modern current Spielberg would have done it. In a he would have done it. <laughs> oh, you know what'd be great if he he's kicking himself that he didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. He's oh, like, I oh, I missed an opportunity. Should have been Steamboat Willie. <laughs> um, I I um. I actually really liked how they actually they do end up finding Private Ryan. You know that it was almost like a by accident. Yeah, almost by accident. They literally walked into him in a, in a field. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was well done. And at the time, Matt Damon was just becoming the big star, right? Did because uh, yeah. Goodwill Hunting was out. Another director, just saying. Yep. Yep. But Lots um, of... oh yeah, he wasn't quite the like mega mega star he would become very quickly after this movie but um, right. you know like you could you saw him and standing there in that scene and i think it takes a minute before you realize that that's matt damon and that's you know and then they realize that he's private ryan yeah, yeah. um but yeah and and then you know that amazing battle sequence that's you know like that second sequence that at the end of the film might be my favorite action sequence ever in a movie like that that's just so well done you, all the characters are split up and of course by this point you're like you love all those characters you love every one of them and you want all of them to live and you know they're each kind of in their own battle scenario separately yeah. kind of crossing paths a little bit here and there um and then it's you know when it's just kind of bananas and out of control and everything's just like being destroyed left and right. And our characters are really getting picked off. I mean, Sizemore gets hit twice. Uh, Tom Hanks gets shot. You see Matt Damon just in a ball crying. It's my least favorite shot in the whole movie. Why is that? The one where Matt Damon is just like rocking and like yelling out and I don't know. It, it, it's very unexpected, right? Because yeah. he's he's in the battle. He's, he's in with, the battle, and now he's like yeah. suddenly he's just broken down. But like, I mean, it, I think I think it it doesn't. I think it's trying to communicate that all hope is lost in a sense, yeah. and like the way he sees it. But I don't think we, as the audience, would have believed that. So yeah, it is. It's a little like oh, jarring. Yeah, it like, just he goes from it fighting just doesn't to hit. that. Yeah. 
but I get, yeah, I think that what that's the point of what he was trying to do, but yeah, it feels a little weird. Like, and at this point, we still are under the assumption that the older man in the beginning of the film is Captain Miller, right? right. We're still this right. whole time we're thinking that, and when Tom Hanks gets shot, which is like a gut punch to America. <laughs> It yes, is. it you is. You love Tom Hanks so much, and seeing him get shot, you you know, like, all right, like that's not good, you know. Yeah. Like, um, and then you see quickly, like he's he's not gonna make it. Like, how? But how does he become the old man? Like, <laughs> right. Yep. And then um, it's like, oh, that guy actually looks more like Matt Damon than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then I remember thinking it must be Edward Burns. Oh really? Like, I still you're like think... you're like trying to figure out the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> the main uh, character or the, the the title of the movie guy. But each each character as they get eliminated gets sort of their their moment. You know, Barry Pepper is blown up in the tower. He's Barry Pepper was great in this film. Yeah. Oh, so good, absolutely. Um, and you know, Sizemore uh gets you know shot multiple times and. And that face-to-face moment where, where, you know, Tom Hanks realized, looks over at him and realizes that he's dead. It's sort of like, oh boy, now we're, now we're in trouble. Yeah, it's like he he bleeds out off screen essentially, and then we see him dead, and it's just sort of like this, like, uh, it, it, you know, because we, you, you know, you you witness as the audience, you witness all the deaths as they occur essentially, and then it's that it's like, oh, he just died like five seconds ago. We didn't get to see it. And, you know, we're like Hanks. Like he thought he was alive. He's calling out to Mike. And now there he is. He's dead. Like that, that, that's, it's, it's just like, again, it's just like, oh, you'd think they would have survived unless you see him die. He's not dead. But no, he's dead. Yeah. And that's, again, the senselessness of, of, of all of it. You, you think everyone's going to, everyone can make it until you see it. Yeah. Right. And it seems like a, sort of random group of who does survive and yeah. uh you know him his what do you guys think about his his earn this line does that does that how does that age for you it's fine perfect <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah totally doesn't bother fine. me i've i've seen you know i i've seen people discussing it you know or writing about it where that is you know that comes off cheesy now that that uh yeah, boy you know sort of takes you out of it i don't think that's true i don't agree with that but i mean i feel like it can go unsaid you know what i mean but it also doesn't bother me that it is said mm-hmm. it's it's tom hanks telling you to, yeah, to yeah. Earn this. you know it's not tom just... hanks wants to tell me to do something cool as he's dying, and, like I'm going to listen to it. And he's yeah. the smartest. He's the smartest guy in the movie. You know, like it's not like it's coming out of nowhere, right? It, it'd be it'd be it'd be something if Carpasso Capasso was like, earn this <laughs> as he's dying. Yeah, in the middle of the street. No, it and has it, much more depth from him. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. So no, totally works for me. Um, and it, and again, it's like. Yeah, it could go unsaid. It would be there. It'd be the thing, but to to 
to verbalize it, I think, it, it, with Tom Hanks saying it to you, is uh, it's got more impact. Yeah. And, and then coming out of that finale, sort of that, you know, back to the bookend of the old man that you realize is Private Ryan, sort of having his, I don't know, emotional breakdown there at Arlington at Miller's grave. I don't know. I, I felt like actually coming off of the intensity of that action sequence that that I needed that like more quiet moments to kind of circle back around to. Yes. Looking at just the bookends alone. Yeah. Maybe they don't age as well, but I think in the whole of the film, like you need that, you know, I don't know, just, just like kind of an ease down from, from all the intensity of everything and the acknowledgement of what that was like, because so many veterans, they didn't have a place to really let that out, you know, and talk about those experiences. That wasn't a time period where talking about it was really common. Right. That it was sort of like come home and get back to work and move on. Like that's what was expected of you. And, and that's not how humans work as we've seen from wars since then. And, how people have reacted and, and what they've had to psychologically deal with that. How could you be the same person? How could you come home and just go back to your, whatever your job was before after seeing that and doing those things and, and experiencing that? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think you need that emotional button at the end to, you know, this is a story about, you know, these, group of guys going to save this one guy but like you know i think if you talk to anybody in who who's fought in a war or been you know in the military you know it's even though there's not always a group of guys going to save one person that group of guys you're with you know people die in the in in those battalions and they're saving each other and you know i mean i think it's just like you kind of need to tie it all and to have that character express his appreciation at the end, I think is, is good, you know? Cause I yeah. think, I think that at least for the people from World War II, you know, as we could see, as we talked about, you know, at the end of the movie, when the lights came up, the emotional charge that it put in everybody, um, you know, I think, I think it's good to have that, that minute there to, to kind of tie it, tie it all back. Yeah. But um, let's talk a bit about the, the impact of, of the film before, before we talk about box office glory, let's talk about, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the podcast that the intensity of those action sequences changed. I mean, this really was a game changer because action movies, serious action movies were done differently after this movie came out video games were done differently not to say that it invented the point of view but you look at games like the medal of honor games and and so many of the uh, action oriented call of duty call of duty Duty, yeah um they clearly took their lead from this movie and were mimicking the exact style to this day, I mean, there's I, I, my kids have I don't know how many war games they've got, but a bunch. And it's when I watch them play, I'm like, this is Private Ryan. This is just Private Ryan the game. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's intense and it's brutal. Those games are, and I and actually I was thinking about this and I was like, God, there's countless video games that like can can kind of portray this as accurately as this movie does, and it's it's but it's about getting points and winning the it, it just kind of was like ah oh, it's kind of gross like it's just it's just gross like then i've played those games i've played modern warfare i've played the newest modern warfare that's out now and it's it's visually a stunning and it's crazy and it's intense and and yeah it's fun in a sense but i would never be a guy who i never would have been a person that could have been conscripted and uh and 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 be drafted and 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 do this i could just i would have you could have been a drone pilot (laughs) yeah if there were drones were there drones there are now in in 98 no 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 drones i mean in in 44 there was no drone uh no 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 (laughs) um but it's just like and you know the military has used Call of Duty as a recruitment tool, <laughs> like same way they use advertising and at the NFL games, all the sporting events. We honor our troops, we honor the flag, we honor our service members. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's you know, there's a there's such a big. I have such a big cynical look at, or to, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not even originate the idea, but just it's so cynical of like. How do we recruit more young men into the military that, that don't have anything? And it's just like all well, these video games and 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 the 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 way we honor them at um, at every public event. And it's like we're not in war, you know, we're not in yeah. war. Why are we honoring veterans at a soccer game? But why wouldn't we honor veterans at all? Is also the other flip side. So, uh, but again, I think that's like it, that kind of goes to the the recruitment and the you know the idea of that this is the the absolute most important job anyone does ever at all times and uh you know i I can't speak to whether that's true or not but you know world war ii was like we did it because we we had to uh i mean that's not quite then that's not that that's not that's a very simplistic way to say of, of our involvement you know we just but from an individual point of view from these soldiers these men these these kids these school teachers all these people who had to go and there was nothing else they could do but 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 do this and do the right thing and uh you know yeah there's there's something to that there's something to to honor and to have a reverence for that ever since i don't know there's there was a righteousness to it where all wars seem to be a even from a kind of a um and it doesn't matter i don't want to get into it it it, it's it's this is a very specific movie but with a specific story um that at the very least I, i can still get behind so Sorry, I don't even know what I was saying, but no, yeah, I, I think it's difficult, man. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I think that there's in the past twenty years, you know, like there's been 
what the war on terror yeah. and you know obviously that seemed to morph into the war in Afghanistan and you know I mean I just feel like I think that it's hard to know you know not being there not knowing like how much we're being manipulated and like how necessary these wars are and yeah. you know it's tough but I think for me like the point is is like whether I believe in what we're fighting for or not, like that's not what I'm kind of talking about in, yeah. in these instances, but right. I'm talking about like the people who are doing the fighting for whatever reason, you know, like some join in their own uh, volition, some have no other options, you know, like, but they're still ultimately putting their life on the line to, to fight for what they believe in. And I, I truly believe that they, for the most part, believe that they're fighting for the freedoms that this country has kind of been built around. Right. Mm -hmm, and so sure. um, whether the people that are leading them into those battles uh, feel the same way, I, I don't know, you know, yeah. uh, but I think the people that are doing the fighting uh, do think that way. And for that, you know, like if, if someone's going to step up and, and do that and is willing to sacrifice their life for the, for the good of the many, like, I think that is something to kind of respect and, yeah. and appreciate. Um, even though, you know, it's hard to know what the what the true motivating factors of of some of these things really are from a from a bigger picture standpoint well and and this movie obviously like doesn't concern itself with the politics of the right. war you know yeah. it strips everything away and it's just about this story in this moment so um yeah it's it's on a lot of this, this movie had such an impact on, on a lot of different levels. And I think you can still feel it's, uh, you know, it's impact now. And, and now let's talk about like band of brothers, you know, if their band of brothers was like private Ryan, the series. Yeah. And it just got a much more expanded look and it's amazing. It's excellent. It's, I, I mean, it's close to flawless, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And it and, stands and, up. I mean, shit, dude. I've rewatched that a couple different times and it's yeah. like it's great. I mean, it's just really well done. Yeah, I've I've watched it twice all the way through and it holds I mean, it's it's timeless. It's um it's so good and you know, there's actors in it who um some of them have, have again, some are great and some um it's the best acting they've done. Like Donnie Wahlberg is so good in that. And I've worked with him and, you know, he's not the world's greatest actor, but he's amazing in Band of Brothers and, and everybody is. And, and it was yeah. just, you know, taking this idea of what they did in Private Ryan, expanding it, you can get to know the characters even more. They're based on very, you know, very specific group of soldiers, um, that were real people that it's based on their, it's their journey through the war. Yeah. Um, and it's so good. The Pacific, which is kind of the second part of that is um, not as strong, 
there's parts of it I really I just watched it recently for the first time and there's parts of it that I thought were really well done and and some of it that just kind of was slow and dragged on and I didn't really like the characters as much as I liked the characters from Band of Brothers mm. and can and you remind me in I, so I, I've only seen the Pacific once and I, I agree like after the first viewing after that viewing I, I also did not feel like it was as strong as Band of Brothers with that. That picks up and we're already in the war, right? Like we're already on boats. The Pacific, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. Yep. I think that might be one of the reasons, I mean, for me at least, why I like Band of Brothers more is, is like we see them go through their boot camp yeah. and we build a relationship with some before they they go out and we even though they some of them get split up when they come back around like their relationships make sense whereas in the pacific i feel like it's a handful of people that we don't necessarily have any history with that, mm -hmm. and we're kind of following their individual stories yeah. throughout and it doesn't it doesn't really grab you and hold you as tightly and so I mean, again, I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but that's what I kind of recall from. Yeah, it, it's it's separate stories going on that a couple of them are kind of cross paths, but it's just, you know, you don't get that 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 whole boot camp episode. The first episode of Band of Brothers is so important because that's yeah, that's where you get to know everybody and bond with them before they go to the war here. It's it's just it's just different in the Pacific. And uh, yeah, and it'd be hard to do that. And yeah, I mean, you don't want to be yeah. like super formulaic. So I get it. You know, like you can't. Yeah recreate the exact same thing but i yeah. think that it does do it a disservice the um and we'll see what masters of the air how that turns out i'm not sure i i think that's going to be airing not next year but maybe 2023 i'm looking forward to that one yeah I've, i mean that one's been kind of on the slow burn for a, for a while i mm -hmm. think originally it was supposed to be based off of steve ambrose they were originally looking at a Steve Ambrose book. Yeah. Uh, well, then that's what this was originally based on and Band of Brothers. So, yeah. So, but um, speaking of that, let's talk, you know, let's lighten it back up a little bit. Let's talk about just briefly before we wrap things up, the uh, kind of origins of the story. Um, this was uh, written by Robert Rodat. Uh, it was, it was pitched to Mark Gordon, who pitched it to Paramount, who then turned to Spielberg, and they kind of created this, this deal uh, where DreamWorks would distribute the film domestically, Paramount's going to do it internationally, and then they do a switch for Deep Impact. So remember, this movie is still in the very infancy of DreamWorks. It's, I think, within its first year of, yeah, it was actually one of the releasing films, so... Yeah, it was one of the first. Yeah, yeah, because I think it was uh, oh, the Peacekeeper with George Clooney and and Nicole Kidman. I think that was like the first dream. Was it? Movie. I wanted to say it was like Forces of Nature, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's right. <laughs> that's up there. That's all all around the same time. But um, you know that the there was a lot of what if casting that almost happened for this, and I could have I could see it. Um, they approached Harrison Ford to play Captain Miller. 
Oh. And this is 1997 Harrison Ford. So this is post Air Force One. He's 55. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, would, I think at that, that point. Little too old. But uh, I don't know. I could still see it. I think he could pull the could have pulled the character off. But sure. I think Tom, I do think Tom Hanks was the better choice. Also, they went after Mel Gibson. Well, glad we mm. glad we didn't get him. Yeah, I, I think we ended up with the right choice. You know, Hanks being the as we've the, gone over the like, everyman, the everyman, so identifiable. Just you automatically love Tom Hanks. So, well, that's why we're doing. To Thanksgiving, to right? Thanksgiving. Like, that's correct. I mean, you said like, it. What we've, you know, we've we've had Tom Hanks on the show with uh, League of Their Own, and then what we've been talking about here, and it's like, and you know, we learn Miller's origin, right? He's a school teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, a, yeah. he's a really smart guy, and he who is a captain. Who, I mean, the way he was directing and 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 can taking care of his guys and all that he's like he's you know he's exactly the leader that needs to be and like i said it's like a little jarring when he's like get that effing kid back put him back get get out and like but it's like it would be more forceful and angersome and and weird like uh it's a little weird to hear it from him but like you know mel gibson's yelling that you can kind of get it like you know barking Mm -hmm. and and all that but it's like this is a this is kind of a humble and kind of quiet guy who under who understands war and understands what they're doing. Uh, so, you know, he's made he and he make he follows his orders and he does the right thing and and it's pretty much every turn and he makes you know he did not have they did not have to stay at the bridge they didn't have no. to stay at the bridge but he made the choice yeah because yeah they it, could have left they could have dragged private ryan out of yeah. there and all or the rest of them lived but yeah but they had to fight the they had to fight they had yeah. to secure the bridge and uh it's so it's it's yeah it's just like the every man is exactly that man because that's that's the guy that's that's that tom hanks is is captain miller like it's just it's it's a great choice. Other interesting choices again occur could occur, but this is the guy I want to see. Yeah, I like what if casting. what if Edward Norton or Noel Wiley had accepted the part of Private Ryan? What would That's have fine. happened then? I could I could dig with I can I can dig with both of those as Private Ryan. Yeah, Edward Norton turned it down for American History X, and Noel Wiley couldn't get out of his ER contract, which mm-hmm. I'm sure must have. Must have eaten at him that he uh, missed out on probably what would have been a good kind of entryway into features. Could have been, yeah. he, he never really went that direction after that. But yeah, he stayed. Yeah. He, although he worked with Rodat in uh, Falling Skies for Sci-Fi Channel, hmm. yeah, Sci-Fi. or TNT. Yep. Uh, and uh, I I watched every episode of that movie <laughs> or that show. <laughs> That's good stuff. Was that good? Invader. Aliens have invaded Earth, and it's a it's it's basically it's a war it's a war series. It's huh. it's, it's a pure war the whole time with with what's his face, the guy with uh uh wait wait with is Will it Patton. Tom Hanks? Will Patton? Oh, Will Patton. Main, he's a main Shh. character in the whole thing. Oh, nice. Love me some Will Patton. Oh, he's great. <laughs> I think I did see a couple. I didn't. How how many episodes is that? Is that like a season uh, or two? 
uh, it's 52 episodes over four seasons. Okay. So, uh, you know, Doug Jones is in there. Uh, every season's a little different. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but they don't have a good budget, so the finale is really terrible. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but they do some cool shit uh, throughout the series. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm glad they got Matt Damon. I think that it... Yeah. it ended Perfect. up being serendipitous because you know he goes on to be this huge star uh but prior to this he's still relatively unknown i know that i know that uh what's the one the big one the goodwill hunting goodwill hunting had uh, it, that's out at this point yeah that's right? out he's already done the oscar thing right but this like, is being oh, filmed oh. before, right? So it's Correct. like it releases. Like I mean, I know it's right on the tails of it, but it's it's just one of the things that it's like. Yeah, this was this was shot right before uh, I think the Oscars. Yeah, and so you know it comes out. They're kind of able to hide because they don't let you know who ryan is yeah he's you know? not even on like there's some of the po- no billing he's not on and not yeah. build at the top so and then when they reveal him like it is a big reveal yeah right because yeah. he's it's the way it's shot he's sort of super popular and, yeah he, oh, happens to be, he happens to be standing there like ryan come here like hey what's up like yeah. they, you know they yeah. don't make like a big like sweep oh yeah shot right. like oh there he is and it's right. like a big Matt, zoom Damon. in and and yeah. and you know pop up yeah but, but if, Noah wiley was super popular at the time they probably yeah. would have done something a little bit more focused yeah yeah would have been interesting but uh all right um should we talk a little box office glory let's do it let's see how it did um we know it's gonna be very successful it uh the the budget though was 70 million I it, find that impressive because yeah, that doesn't seem nearly as large as I would have expected it to be. Like nowadays, yeah. it would have been three times that easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all you know, and all of the you've got your period. Everything's period, so that's expensive right there. Plus all the military stuff, the tanks and the ships and everything. It's it, it just that adds up really quick, but. um Considering Terminator 2 was 80 million, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, six years earlier. So yeah. Whatever. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it opened July 24th, 1998 at number one. Thank uh, ahead, you. I guess what its competition was the new releases that week were Disturbing Behavior and Jane Austen's Mafia. So, oh. counter programming, both I'm sure knew they were going to. Just get whatever audience wasn't seeing Private Ryan. They're trying to cling on to, but um, uh, it uh, dethroned the the uh, Mask of Zorro from number one. Its opening weekend was thirty point five million. It ended up with a domestic run of two hundred and sixteen million and a worldwide run of four hundred and eighty five million. So mm-hmm. huge hit, and it is indeed the number one movie of nineteen ninety eight. Ahead of Armageddon. Ah, all right. Couldn't be two polar opposite movies. <laughs> Although so Armageddon, but Armageddon made a lot of money. One known for its realism, yeah. the other directed by Michael Bay. 
<laughs> Affleck and, and but Affleck and Damon in the two biggest movies of the year. Yep. Going oh yeah, those those were the the hottest young actors Whew, of that year. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. Hot men. Um. Hot young men. Hot yeah, young actors. So where uh where do you guys where do you guys rank this for? Well, we'll do a ranking for Hanks and a ranking for Spielberg. Where do where do you rank this amongst Hanks's work? Top ten, top five. Well, I mean, Hanks did a really splendid job, you know, and and it it's you know he is he's a focal point, but he's not the center of the movie in the sense, you know, like it's a, it's very much an ensemble piece, I think, a little bit, you know, he but he he does he is the glue, he's the glue of the whole thing, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, to, you know, top ten, absolutely, like it's 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 top maybe top five for me for Hanks. Yeah, uh, you know, I would I would right? I would say top five. You know, I don't know. I mean, I 10, 10 seems like 10 seems too, that's too, too far loose. back. Like, yeah, yeah too no, far back. You know, it's got, it's up there. Like, depending on what kind of Hanks you want, because, because when it does you, depend, yeah. Like, what Hanks do you want on any given day? Because sometimes you want a big, sometimes you want a, a, a Josh Bashkin, Baskin. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Sometimes you want a Captain Miller, right? I'm going to, this is for me, I'm going to say top three. Woohoo. I mean, okay, you're allowed. Like, you're like allowed. This That's love him in Apollo 13. Oh, Apollo 13. Um, I would say Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah, that's that's the top three. And then I uh, probably catch me if you can is right for for me oh, is next there. Catch you hmm. again. Um, you know, and then I might throw some some of the 80s things in there, but uh, I know I'm it doesn't a, hold up, but I'm a big Forrest Gump fan. Oh so. well, yeah, I was about to say I'm not a, not a Gump yeah, fan. We'll, I know we'll, it doesn't. We'll go through that one, I think. At to Thanksgiving point. 2022. We'll, uh, <laughs> we can we, get we might it. be turning to Noir Vember next November. Noir Vember. So. Oh, Noir Vember. Oh, yep. there's a preview. Let's, let's see. Stay tuned. What does that let's, mean? <laughs> we're doing noir movies. Maybe. We're we doing Rear Window. Like, Maybe. Ooh, okay. Uh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, Maltese Falcon. Like, yeah, let's do hey, it. We could. Wow. We You're just rattling off some great ones. The only, like, the only two noir movies I could say. Double, and, double, double Indemnity. Indemnity. Oh, yeah. man. With Fred, uh, what's his face? Fred Fred's McMurray. Average. Fred McMurray, right? <laughs> yeah. Fred McMurray. See, I saw that movie. Shut up. <laughs> but, uh, but I took we've a had, film class. We've had fun. Here, guys, haven't we? This uh, to Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know how much back. fun we had on this one, but we did. Well, we did enjoy talking about it. right. But we're we're yeah, acknowledging some Hanks. of the best of uh, Hanks, and and there's so much more. I mean, there's so many more Tom Hanks film. Like, I want to look at Dragnet. I want to oh, look. At, I need to see can, it. Can we get on Ooh, that? Yes. As discussed yeah. in uh, Dragnet, we can we can throw it on the schedule for next a, year. I love a Dragnet. That's that's one of his last great comedies. Yeah, and I think we should. You know, last year so, so many pop movie podcasts were looking at the Burbs. I wanted to stay away from that. I'm glad we did. I'm I'm okay revisiting it and see what you know. I don't know what don't maybe doesn't that. work for us. But uh, I mean, Hanks is probably great in it. But yeah, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to give it another try. So um, <laughs> there's so many more, so many Tom Hanks films that are uh, 
worthy of of taking a look at and yeah. uh it was it was fun to look at the ones we did so um thank you guys for staying uh on track with us while we went through it and yeah. we've got a great david it's finally here your true favorite season is right around the corner uh we're gonna have a great lineup this uh this holiday season very exciting and uh we hope you guys all have a great thanksgiving right everybody have a happy thanksgiving yes uh, in america ish and the united states of america and yes you know uh killing the of the indigenous people obviously terrible <laughs> yes we just eat wanna, turkey like, yeah. just, but in terms of you know having a day with, with your family or friends or your found family or even with yourself but in a peaceful way that you're okay, you know, and and you can take a moment to reflect on the good things that you have in your life, the the things that make you happy, you know, that's all we want, and uh, th- that's the day to do it. And you know what? If you want to pop in a Tom Hanks movie, probably it'll probably uh, boost boost any good feelings that you're having. Yeah, so. like Splash. Throw in Joe Splash versus the volcano. Things. I recommend Joe. Versus there you go. Yeah, and listen to our podcast if you missed it. Check that one out and watch the film. Maybe watch the film first and then <laughs> uh, check that out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I, We wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. We're going to have a great time at the studio a lot here. David's already getting started uh, cooking up the turkeys. Brent's working on the turduckens. And I'm just going to eat it all. <laughs> eat it. I, I have a lot of turkeys to execute. So yeah, you better get going. Well, I make a big ceremony out of it. It's terrible. But, uh... All right. Well, uh, don't forget to check out our friends, uh, Scored to Death, uh, Movie Muggins, Buzz in the Tower, some of our uh, other podcasts that we interact with on, on our social medias. And you can check us out there on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Reconcinimation Podcast. And uh, check out our archives, too. We're www.reconcinimation.com. Oh, and don't you dare forget our good friend, E.K. Wimmer, who composes our theme song and his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, check him out for all things 80s related. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to our pal, uh, Curtis Moore. And we thank him for the posters. And that's all I've got, guys. I'm getting ready. I'm going to Thanksgiving myself. And uh, we will see you guys next time on Reconcinimation. Take care. I know. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. <laughs>